Well, tonight is January 18th. I feel like I'm yelling at you, so I'm going to be calm here for just a second. The title of tonight's sermon is Seven Ways to Get High. Seven ways to get high. High. As I was thinking of seven ways to get high, I thought I would turn to Deuteronomy 4.20, if you'll join me. Deuteronomy 4.20. Exactly. I see all of those who are snickering at Deuteronomy 4, 20. You better have a blazing face, <laughs> If you don't know what that means, we'll uh, explain it to you later. Or not. Deuteronomy chapter 4, 20 says this. But as for you, the apportioned... Uh, I'm sorry, the Lord took you and brought you out of the iron smelting furnace, out of Egypt, to the people of his inheritance as you now are. How many of you people have been brought out of something? Come on, on, we have been brought out of something. Uh, Susan, if you'll do this with me, I've just got a couple of scriptures. Psalm 15. Everybody take a look at Psalm 15. Just write this down. I want you to look at it on the screen with me. We're all going to look at it together. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? Who is going to go up to the Lord is what the question is. Who is going to rise to new heights and be able to be with him? This is what the scripture says. He whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous. Who speaks the truth from his heart. And the rest of this psalm goes on and on explaining how that we can rise up to new heights. Look at Psalm 24 and verse 3. It says this. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? So we have two different psalms here that are basically asking the same set of questions. Lord, how can we go from where we are and get to a higher place than you? How do we go from where we are and ascend to wherever it is that you are? Look at the next verse. It says this. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. Tonight, we're going to talk about how that we can ascend to the Lord. And what part of that is going to be is us knowing that he's taken us out. He's taking us out of the Egypt that you came from. We understand that in the Bible that not our friends from Egypt, but in Egypt, it's the way of the world. It's this otherworldly system that we have to come out of. And more importantly than us just leaving that physically, he's got to get all of those worldly practices out of us. We could say it this way. We've got to leave Egypt, and Egypt has to leave us. Amen? Now, we are a place where many of us in this room have been taken out of the Egypt. Now, you know what the Lord is doing in our midst right now? He's working these things out in us so that all of the Egypt is out of us. That's what he's doing. He's in a process of purifying us. As I was driving here this afternoon... I was with Pastor Matt, and we were talking just about, we were talking about you guys. And I could almost summarize the theme of just the last three days in my life, interacting with you guys. And what I think the Lord is doing is He's rewiring our hearts. Amen. He's rewiring our hearts. We have some defaults that, you know what the Lord is doing? Saying, that's enough of your default. You have to find out what I'm saying to you, and you need to go do that. 
that way of thinking that you have that sounds good in your own head, not at all from the Lord. We're going we're to attack those very things because you know what? Let, let's, just, let's just think about it for a few minutes. The last few months, the last few weeks here in this church, hasn't the Lord just been incredibly gracious and kind yes. to us? Yes. Have you heard the gentleness in the messages from whomever it is? The Lord is calling to us. He's beckoning. It's been to the soft-hearted, right? The Lord is saying, hey, you need to work these rocks out of your soil. Why? Because he's trying to be, he's trying to show his mercy and compassion to you because he wants to bless you because he wants to be with you. Yeah. Wow, what a gracious God. Amen. So you know what? That was just a great realm of encouragement as we were coming into the new year. And now, do you know what I know that he's doing? Because he's doing it to me. Because he's doing it to you. He's rewiring some things. Went from just a, a gracious time and everything's good to, uh-oh, now we actually have to prove our faith. Yeah. Now there's some difficulties that are going on in our homes. There's some difficulties that are going on in our minds and in our hearts and in our lives. And you know what? This is still God being gracious to us. Yes. Because if you don't work these things out of you, if you don't allow the Lord to rewire you, to rewire these things in your heart that still echo of a different worldly system then you're going to be in trouble going forward for the next season that God has for us. 2017 is going to be an incredible year for LCM. It is going to be an incredible year for you individually. I I, I know it. I can feel it inside of me. What he's doing now is he's preparing us for the next. What God is doing now is preparing us for the next. So whatever you're going through, which is I imagine what caused us to come in here and be heavy. Well, you know. I mean, God is good. No, no, no. God is great. Yeah. He's working something in you because He loves you, and He loves you enough that He won't let you stay that way. Amen. Because we've said, Lord, we want to ascend your holy hill. Lord, we want to get higher in you. Lord, we want to get high. Yes. Amen. How many of you ever said that in your life? Lord. Yeah. I knew it. You people. Have you ever been involved in a conversation? And you realize at some point halfway through that you're no longer listening to the person who's talking to you? <laughs> For the tape, Rob said all the time. It's true. Thank you for your truth, Rob. I appreciate that. It's really bad when... <laughs> what were we saying? It's really bad when you're talking to your spouse and, you're, and they're talking to you. Actually interacting with you even holding your hand, talking to you, husbands. And if you're like me, there are times when I have to say, I'm sorry, babe. I quit listening about 30 seconds ago. As best I can calculate. It could have been longer than that. I need you to back up in the conversation because this will count against me at some point. So I at least want to know what you're saying to me. Anybody ever had that happen to? Anybody ever, uh, someone is talking to you, maybe one of your children. Is there a particular child that you have? Then when they start talking, and you're being sweet because you know it's the right thing to do. So you're looking at them, uh uh-huh, 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 and you are gone. And mom, and then the alien came in the door, uh uh-huh. And then I did this, and I put my finger in the electrical socket, Uh uh-huh, yeah. Great, baby. Fantastic. Or is that just me? How about this one? Pastor, 
amazing service. That may be in the top three best sermons that I've ever heard on the planet. Amen. What did he talk about? I don't know, but it was amazing. Okay, well, um, so if we understand that, let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and let's start in verse 4. Say there when you are there. The word of God in Deuteronomy 6.4 says this. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your and all of your and with all of your. Amen. What a great verse. What a fantastic verse. How many of you could quote that for me? See, some of y'all are like, you might actually ask me, won't you? Randy, you just did that, didn't you? You're like, I can, but I'm not going to put my hand up. I'm going to call you out anyway. It's all right. Randy's five times smarter than me at least. So I, I know you know this. I know. Let's turn to Mark chapter 12. Let's turn to Mark chapter 12 and verse 29. Mark chapter 12 and verse 29. After the question that they asked Jesus himself. Good teacher, what's the most important commandment? Oh, wow, that's great. The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Now, don't don't look at the page for just a second. If I'm telling you this story, what are the next things that you're going to say? What's the most important commandment? And Jesus says what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What I usually say... And I think what most of us in the room usually say is, the first word of our mouth is what? Love the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And if you've got a different version, then you're going to throw mine in there somewhere. You're trying to figure it all out. I can't remember which one. But you're starting with the word love. Do you know what the word that Jesus starts with here? Here. Here. Wait a minute. I, I thought love is the most important thing. Amen. Apparently, Jesus Christ knows our hearts and knows that we want to skip past these type words that say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You know, when we, this is shown in uh, even how we talk about the commandments. What's the first commandment? Anybody? Anybody. Okay, wait, wait, stop. Now you're all mumbling. Now I can't understand you. We have no one with confidence. No. What is the first commandment? I'm talking about Exodus 20. What is the first commandment? Go. You should have no other gods before me. That's not actually the first commandment. Turn to Exodus 20. I'll show you really quickly. <clears throat> we like to truncate things. We like to skip things, don't you? How many of you would rather go the long way than the short way? The reason that we have mapping programs on our phone. I actually know how to get around the city of Houston okay now. Been here for two and a half years. I can get around okay. You know what I do? Sometimes I still look on my phone. You know why? Because I want to know the shortest way. 
I know three different ways, and I don't know the traffic, so I'm going to look so it can help route me the fastest way, because I want to get there as quickly as possible. Am I the only one? No. Okay. What is Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1? And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Do you know what God starts speaking? The very first thing he says is not you shall not have any other gods before me, but I am the Lord your God. When he says, what's the greatest commandment? He starts with, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's an important thing for us to hear what the Lord is saying to us. Can we agree on that tonight? Let's take a look at a few points here of of people who God called, and he called their name twice. We've got a little slide on this. You know these. In Genesis 22, the Lord called to Abraham, Abraham and said, Abraham, Abraham. If God's calling your name twice, you better pay attention. Anybody have a spouse or kids that they're calling your name? How many times does somebody have to call your name before you actually pay attention? Mom, 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 mama, mommy, mama, Christy. How many times does somebody have to call your name before you're paying attention? Especially if you're wrapped up in your own head, right? The Lord called to Abraham and said, Abraham, Abraham. He called to Jacob the exact same way. He called to Moses at the burning bush the exact same way. You know how all three of those men answered? Here I am. Lord, (laughs) it's like what we do with our scripture. We say, we ask you to say there when you're there, not just because you got there in the, in the Bible that you're holding, but we're hoping that it's showing that your heart is engaged with what's going on. Lord, I'm here. I'm engaged. It's the same word that Isaiah used in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8. When God said, whom will I send? Who will go for us? And he says, here I am. Send me. Same response. In the Newer Testament, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus is talking to Martha, and and, and he says, Martha, Martha, Mary's chosen the better. It's a a term to get her full attention off of all the worries that she's been having. And he says, Martha, Martha, Simon, Simon. Jesus is talking to Peter here. In Acts chapter 9, a voice from the heaven calls out and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus himself is calling out, Let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. In the seventh example of this, we see something very, very interesting. 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 10. It says this, The Lord came and stood there. Wow. Wow. You know the beginning part of this story, right? Samuel's a boy. He's in the temple. He's, he's there and he hears someone calling his name. So he jumps up and he runs. What did you want? I didn't call you. Go back, lay down. Right? This is the story. The Lord came and stood there. Calling as at the other times. Samuel. Samuel. Why don't we listen? 
why don't we actually listen when we're supposed to? We don't listen because we get distracted. My children, not your children, mine, are homeschooled. And what they like to do is have music playing. If it's up to them, there's going to be music playing, a TV going, a texting conversation with someone else, playing words with friends, and trying to do their schoolwork. If I let them, this is what every day of their life would look like. Hey, Dad, I'm doing good, though. Got three things done already. Yeah, let me see them. Yeah, you didn't actually get three things done. You completed them, but they're terrible. Go back and do them again. (laughs) Don't we do that, though? We're trying to multitask our way right through our lives. And what it is, is that means that we're doing a poor job at everything. Nothing is getting our attention. So we're just distracted. Sometimes we don't listen because we're just disappointed. I thought this would be different. I had so many different expectations going on in my mind and my heart. And so, whatever. I'm just disappointed. Some of us shut down pretty quickly when things are going on. We just, I've had enough. Can't, I, I can't process anything else. By the way, the pastors are getting to the point. I'm just going to speak for all of us. If you say that you're processing something, if you're a guy punching you right in the throat. (laughs) If you're a girl in my head, I just punched you right in the throat. (laughs) I'm just trying to process. So what you're saying is you're letting your emotions or your intellect rule you instead of the Spirit of God. Oh, but I just don't want to fake it. No, you're going to go ahead and instead of calling it faking it, you mean by faking it that you're going to actually step out and do what the God of all creation told you to do? That's faking it? But my emotions aren't there. Then your emotions are leading you. If you know to do right and you don't do it, it's sin. So whatever span of time it is till you're waiting for your emotions to catch up to you, you are sinning. Well, that's ridiculous. Just do what you're supposed to do and let your emotions catch up to you. This is godliness. This other thing is some worldly wisdom. There's no wisdom at all. Don't tell me you're processing. Just, just don't do it. Right in the throat. That's your girl. We get disinterested. We get disappointed. We get so many things, and so we just stop. Or my favorite that I personally do a lot is I think I already know what you're going to say. I'll do do this to Pastor Eric sometime or Pastor Matt. We're getting together and studying. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh, and then this, right? And they're like, no. (laughs) It's not at all what I was going to say. Dang it. I got all eager there. I've done this to the Lord himself. He'll start talking to me, and then I get excited that he's talking to me, and I try to fill in the blank instead of just stopping and listening to what he actually said. Just me, right? So we have Samuel here, and he's saying, Speak to me, Lord. I pray this prayer all the time. Speak to me, Lord. Uh, We're going to go, and we're going to visit... We're going to go visit J.J. and Natalie. Lord, I need you to speak to me. 
because I want to go over there and be a blessing and serve my friends. Lord, would you just talk to me? I don't know what they need. I don't want to try to figure it out on my own. I need you to say something to me and give me a scripture that will be a blessing to them more than I could ever imagine. Lord, would you help me? Would you speak to me? You should do that everywhere you go. Every day. Should be our expectation. Speak for your servant is listening. You know what the word there for listening is? Shema. It's a Hebrew word that has a very, very uh, integrated depth of meaning. It's beautiful. We're going to look at seven things, seven ways that the word Shema is used. Let me put it on the board here. But we're going to do something incredible here. We're going to watch how many times it says Shema. Shema. If you're saying something to your kids and you have to say it twice, they better be listening, right? Yeah. You know, um, my wife and I had this funny little short conversation the other day, and she was asking me a question, and I answered her three times before she. I mean, it was just a. I don't remember what it was now. It was just a one-word answer, and then she asked the question again, <laughs> and so then I said it, you know, like 14 more times, just to prove my point. <laughs> She's like, what are you doing? I've already said it multiple times. Let's take a look at the way that God uses this. When God speaks and he says, Shema, Shema, what does it mean? Let's turn to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. This is the first time that the double word here, the double usage of Shema, Shema is used. Exodus 15 and verse 26. If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord. So in this case, the translators said that Shema Shema means listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God. And you do what is right in his eyes. If you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. What we have here is that not only, look at that last phrase, I am the Lord who heals you. He is a healing God. If you are here tonight and you have physical ailments, you may tell you the first step that you need to do to get your physical ailments healed. You need to shma shma. Why? Because not only will he heal you, but look at it But right before that. I will not bring on you any of the diseases that I brought on the Egyptians. He will protect you. We don't give enough credit for when God actually protects us and prevents things from happening to us. Right? If you're in an accident, it's one thing. Well, praise God, the Lord saved me. It could have been much worse, but I'm okay. What about the accident that was averted? What about the time that he just caused it to work out and you never even knew that there was going to be an accident and he took care of you? He ordered your steps in a way that put you in the right place. We have friends from Peru here. I remember hearing a a story where they missed a certain bus to get to a certain place and it caused them to be at just the right place at just the right time to interact with someone who was in a car accident. They were there to pray and offer actual medical assistance. The Lord of all creation ordered their steps. Here we have that when we listen carefully or Shema Shema, we are designed to be protected and healed by the God of all creation. Is that not a good thing? 
This is an incredible thing that the Lord has pre presented to us. You know what's amazing to me? Um, Susan, would you mind putting the verse before this one up on the screen? 25? I just want to show you something really quickly. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. By the way, the word for wood there is a tree. It's a word for tree. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made a decree and a law for them. This is before Mount Sinai. This was before the law was given, and the Lord actually assigns their first law to them right here. You know what the wood there is represented of? Come on, you guys are Bible scholars. What is this? It's a picture of the cross coming into the bitterness of the world and turning the bitter sweet. Amen. When the cross interacts with you, it turns your, the bitterness of your life into something that is sweet. If you are not walking around in thankfulness every day, you should be ashamed of yourself. You need to figure out ways that you can walk around and be thankful. Um, Susan, would you put um, Psalm 16 and starting in verse 5 for me? Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. Do you like this verse, Larissa? Uh -huh. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. The Lord's assigning you something. If you don't like your life, then what you're saying is you don't like what the Lord himself has assigned you. How's that going to sit with the, with the God of all creation? You have made my lot secure. Next verse, please. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Amen. Have your boundary lines? Let's, let's, let's yes. just stop for a minute. Everybody look up at me. I am confident that we can get through information tonight. I, I've, got, I've got six other things that we're going to go through here. It doesn't matter at all to me right now that I get through them. It matters to me that we connect as a church body and that we move in the direction that the Lord is asking us to move. Amen. Are you upset at the boundary lines that God put in your life? Are you upset at the job that you have because you think you need another one? You don't need another job. Because you know what? Your problems, if you don't fix them and if you're not happy with the boundary lines that he gives you, you know what? You're going to find that the next job has the same problems as that job. <laughs> Crazy jobs. Or it's you. I need a new relationship. I need a new thing. I need a new car. I need a new house. I need, I need new circumstances. You know why? Because I'm not happy with the boundary lines that the Lord has given me. I don't like my portion and my cup that have been assigned to me. How are you doing in this area? Are you joyful about where you are? Are you full of excitement? Are you glad that Shiloh has got difficulties in her physical body so that God's glory can be seen in the Moloch family? Are you excited that things are difficult at work? Are you excited about that? If you understood that he is the one assigning you things and he's much more interested in your character and how you learn how to respond to him, you think he's worried about your finances? He cares about you. He can rain down money from heaven. If you needed food, he could have ravens come and bring it to you. He could have manna fall from the sky in millions of gallons of an amount to feed an entire nation 
every day for 40 years. Do you think his arm is too short or his ear is deaf or his eyes are blinded that he can't see where you are and help you? When you are ungrateful, that is exactly what you are showing your heart to be. Wicked sin. It's sinful in every way possible. I mean, come on, Pastor. That's, it's sinful. We should be thinking, Lord, God, thank you. Thank you for my lot in life. God, I remember what it was like to be out there, to be somewhere else where your presence was far from me. You don't have enough digits in your bank account? Really? That's, the, that's all it takes for you to become ungrateful to God is a bank account? Is a car that breaks down? Is a job that becomes difficult? Is a kid that gets sick? Really, that's all it takes? Really? How about we begin to listen carefully to Shema, Shema, what God has said. He said that the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Praise God. I think if we're thankful, it shows that we're actually listening and we're trying to listen carefully to what he's saying. We need to be a grateful group in here. Amen. We need to be thankful. Amen. Instead of lamenting what you don't have, you should be praising God for everything that you have. Amen. I know this is a simple thought. but until everyone in here is executing it well, it's hard for me as a pastor to think that I shouldn't say it. I know that this is right. I know that this is what we need to be doing because I trust that God can protect us and he can heal us. And this is the type of group we're like, amen. He will protect you and he will heal you. I think that's the easiest part of what's going on here because somewhere between the cross back in Exodus 15 25, where we get a picture of the cross. And you know, could you put uh, Exodus 15, 27 on the screen? Between the revelation and a, and a glimpse of the cross and a glimpse of Exodus 15, 27 says this. It talks about Eliam. Then they came to Eliam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. Do you know what our church has been fully convinced of? A revelation that this church has? And this is more than just 12 springs and 70 palms. It's how you're going to reach the nations with the gospel. So, so stay with me here. In 25, we get a picture of the cross. In 26, he says, you need to pay attention. You know why? Because I just gave you a picture of the cross, and I'm about to send you out into the nations. Somewhere between where we had an experience of salvation and when we reach our destination, you know what you have to do? You know the path between the cross and the nations? It's Shema Shema. And you know what? Along the way, lest you be worried about your own safety, he promises that he's going to take care of that. But, but Lord, I have, I have... He's going to take care of that. You know why? If you do this first. Because he's already given you the cross. You need something else beside the cross? No, I'm good. Because of the cross, it got my attention enough. I will shema, shema, Lord, anything that you say. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to seek it out. You know what, I've, what I have to work on in my household with my kids? Is you need to come find out what your dad wants. If you don't understand it, then you need to come get clarif- clarification from me. 
It's your job to come to me to understand what I desire of you. If I have told you to go do something, go clean out your room. If you vacuum another room, if you make dinner for me, I love you. You've been disobedient. I had a purpose for what I asked of you. We must shma, shma. Amen. Exodus chapter 19, turn a few pages over. The picture of the cross and the nations blessed me this afternoon. And knowing that for us to get from the cross to the nations, this is our pathway. Exodus chapter 19, let's look at verse 5. Now, if you fully obey me, I'm sorry, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So we have now Exodus 19, verse 5 and 6. And how does it say it here? It says to obey fully. And what happens? You become a treasured possession. Everybody look at me for a second. It's a Wednesday night, right? Are y'all with me? Yes. Are you listening to me? Yes. If you know that you're a treasured possession, it would change everything that you do in your life. You know what I know for a certainty is that there are far too many people who say that they are obeying fully but don't understand that they are a treasured possession. A treasured possession. You know what that causes me to not have to worry about? I don't need to compete with anybody. You know why? Because I, Wade Sutherland, is a treasured possession for, from God Almighty. That's what he says about me. That's what he says about you. So that when you're going through difficulties, you don't have to fret that somehow you are the exception to every bit of truth out in the universe. Somehow you, God can do all these things for other people. But for me, you are a treasured possession. That's why when we come into our, our church service like tonight, you should have your heads held high. You should have your hands just itching to, to start worshiping and clapping before the Lord. You should come into his gates with thanksgiving, come into his courts with praise. That means you had it going on out there because you know that you're a treasured possession. And you bring that here. You bring a word. You bring a scripture. You bring something ready to bring to the house of the Lord because you know what? We are his treasured possession. More often than not, when one of us as pastors or our families or the elders are counseling with somebody, you know what part of the problem is? Is people forget who they are. They forget that they are in fact a treasured possession. Gabriel Arias, you are a treasured possession by God. You are treasured by Him. He cares about every detail of Gabriel's life. He cares about this beautiful family of girls that he's raising. He cares. He cares. Brandon? The God of all creation cares about you and your family. Ray, you're a treasured possession, man. If we can get a hold of this, not just in some concept that says, 
Yes, I'm a treasured possession. No, then you don't get it yet. You're not shema, shema this yet because when you do this and you obey fully with everything that you have, you understand and you can take possession of this concept that you are His treasured possession. That you're desired by Him. That you are, that He's long, He's shaped the heavens and the earth to get where you could come and be close to Him. You don't get it yet. This is where I'm standing here going, Lord, this is a tremendous revelation. It's not tremendous because it's so deep that no one can comprehend the depths of it. This is so deep because so few people actually live like they're a treasured possession before the Lord. Few people do. And the ones that do actually cause everyone else around them to feel jealous of them. Who are you to think? That treasured possession, man. They can go into the heavenlies and and find out what God is saying in the moment. They can lay hands and use the authority of the heavens that God will grant to us so that we can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. We can talk to people and not know their situation, get understanding from the heavens, and speak right to the heart of the issue. You can have people trying to argue with you about whatever and you can hear that you know exactly what their heart condition is and you go after it. And, and they don't know what to say. Tears begin to stream down someone's face while you're sitting with them, talking to them in a Starbucks, talking to them at the grocery store. Why? Because you are a treasured possession. Stop acting like you're something else. Stop acting like you're something less. Because if you shma shma, if you obey fully, you are his treasured possession. I don't care if you feel like it or not. Because if you do this, then you will be, everybody say be. Be. You will be his treasured possession. This is the kind of thing that I hope that you come back and revisit the notes to this in days and weeks ahead. Because this... (laughs) These are the kind of things right here. And as we continue on, they will change your life if you actually do them. These are the words from heaven for you tonight so that we will be prepared to go forward. Because you know what? If, if only a few of us in the room decide that we're His treasured possession, this church is, is going to do great things. It will because the people in here will understand that they're treasured possessions. But if we could all have this you know, hand of unity have these seven steps that we learned how to be unified. I'm not interested in losing anybody in this room. I'm, I'm not interested in leaving anyone behind. Because we're going to have seeds of hope that get all the rocks out of our heart so that we can be attached to the bedrock that is Christ. Does that sound familiar? Okay, just checking. We can have unity in a way that glorifies the God of all creation. We can hold on to the cord of hope that God has for us. And we can go forward in what He has. We can understand how to shma, shma what the Lord is saying to us. Don't you think that will put you in a good footing where you can hear from Him? Amen. Here's another problem that we have. I talked earlier about faking it. When you don't hear from the Lord, you know what we do? We just fake it. Well... The Lord didn't really talk to me about anything. I don't really have a direction. 
So I'm just going to kind of float out here and do something. Oh, good luck on that. But I'm really going to say it was the Lord that told me, but I really don't know what I'm doing. Yes, because the Lord didn't speak to you. I've had plenty of times where the Lord spoke to me and I didn't know how it was going to happen. But I went on out there because I knew that he was going to protect me somewhere between the cross and the end destination that I have. I know he's going to take care of me. And, and, and that I'm his treasured possession and I know that he will cause the pathway to, to form in front of me. I will take a step and I'm like, Lord, you're telling me to step? There's no ground right there. Take a step. Yes, sir. If I fall, I fall. But inevitably I find the footing that I needed. Oh, I just couldn't see it. Oh, you mean I had to act in faith before, the, before I could see what was going on? Yes, you have to act in faith. But you have to act in faith according to what he has said to you. Far too many of us just decide, I'm just not quite sure what to do, so I'm going to do this and hope that the Lord bless me while I do it. How about you bombard the heavens and you don't move until you hear what he said to you? You don't move until he's spoken to you. Let's turn. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 22. Exodus chapter 22 and verse 22. Don't take advantage of a widow or an orphan. If you do and they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry. (laughs) So we have Exodus 22, 22 and 23. Says that I will certainly hear. By the way, who's speaking here? God. Is it red letters, angel? Okay, it's red letters, so it must be God speaking. <laughs> Do you realize here that it's God who says that he will shma, shma? I will certainly hear their cry. What are we, what are we talking about here? We're learning here that we have a protected class of people. Come on. A widow or an orphan is a protected class of people. How you treat widows and orphans makes an incredible difference. Here we have, listen carefully, and we learn this message in between the cross and the nations. You know what we have here on this second one? We have the first time that Yahweh calls anyone. The first time that God calls anyone and then a visitation from on high. Somewhere between the Lord calling you for the first time and Him actually coming and meeting with you and having a divine impartation into you, you have to shma shma. You know what you have here? Is you have a first example of what the word orphan is all about. He's trying to teach His people. It matters to God when those who are not just underprivileged, right? That's a modern way of saying it. The weak the lowly. It's almost like we, we, we hear echoes of a 1 Corinthians 1. Not many are, who are noble are called. Not many who are wise. Not many who are strong. But those who are weak and non-noble. God uses the weak things of this world. He's showing you that you better, you better understand what His heart is. You better understand what He's got 
going on. Let's take a look at Exodus chapter 23. One more chapter over. And starting in verse 21. Pay attention to him. And listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. We have to listen carefully. What does that produce? What does it produce? It produces a God who fights for us. I have friends that I know and they've learned and uh, we've got relatives who their mantra on on life is, if you don't fight for it, if you don't fight for everything you get, it's just not going to come to you. This is an interesting thought. If we listen carefully, you know what happens? The God who assigned you to get in the fight, Daniel, I'm putting you in the battlefield. I'm putting the Smiths out on the battlefield. I have a strategic place. You must go and stand where I tell you to stand. You must fight when I tell you to fight. And you know what the Lord then does? But if you listen to me, I'll fight for you. Come on. It's the idea of the little guy who goes in the schoolyard, but he's got the big old strong friend. What you got? What are you doing? You don't have enough strength. Yeah, but I got my boys with me. I I can go out and do this. Why? Because I got plenty of strength. Hey, guys. (laughs) Do you understand what the Lord is doing here? He's saying that there's a shema, shema. You've got to listen. You've got to listen. You've got to listen. We're going to translate it. These two words are listen carefully, obey fully. I will certainly hear. Listen carefully. But you know what the actual original text is saying? Listen, listen. Listen, listen. Listen, listen. Listen, listen. You know why? Because we don't even listen on the first time. <laughs> or after we've listened, we're like the man who looks at his face in the mirror and turns away and forget immediately what he looks like. We listen, but we don't have the witness of the listening. We don't listen, listen to what he's saying. If you don't have you've written down, if someone prophesies to you and you don't turn and go write that down somewhere, you're way smarter than I am. I can't remember. You know what I'll remember for a day? I'll remember for an afternoon. And when I need it to come, I'll be like, golly, what did, what did they say? There must have been something good. I won't even remember that it happened unless I write it down and keep it someplace special. You know what I've learned to do? I want to write it down because I want to listen, listen. And I presume that it means something for me now and it'll probably mean something even more for me tomorrow and even more for me next week. Because I have a God, if I listen carefully, He will fight for me. I need God to fight for me. I've got things that I want to, that I believe that the Lord has spoken to me that there's no way that I can accomplish. You know what our problem is as Americans? Is, Is we're all very... Uh, we're driven to perform. (laughs) 
he, if he's going to fight for you, how much ability do you actually need? The problem is, uh, with us waiting for our emotions to catch up is you're behind, you're late, you're sinning. Sometimes we wait for our skill to catch up with me. I'll do what the Lord wants, but I just, I'm not very good yet. No, no, no. There's no preclusion here on the wind. If he's speaking, you're listening. If he's speaking and telling you something, you're immediately doing what he's asked you to do. There is no delay. There is no delay in what you're doing. Why? Because if you listen carefully... He will protect you and He will heal you. He will let you know that you are His treasured possession. You become His treasured possession. He causes you to love and protect the things that He cares about. He will protect the brokenhearted. He will protect the weary. He will protect the broken. How many scriptures do we have on that? Throughout the Bible, God is near to those who are broken heart. He, He cares about those who have a contrite spirit. Not only do we see it in the very natural, we can't ignore the widow and the orphan, but we can also know that we're widowed, that we're orphaned at times in our lives. And you know what? He cares about it. He himself will certainly hear you. If you cry out to the Lord, he will certainly hear you. If you listen carefully, he will fight for you. Come on, guys. This is incredible. Turn to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Let's start in verse 13. So if you faithfully obey, faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today to love the Lord your God and to serve Him with all of your heart and with all of your soul, then I will send rain on your land. Everybody say rain. Rain. On your land in its season both autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather in your grain, your new wine, and your oil. One more verse, and then we're going to come back to verse 14. I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle, and you will eat and be satisfied. Here's what God showed me this afternoon. This is obviously dealing with our provision, right? Clearly. Is that a good word, Daniel? God will take care of our provision. Amen. What does the Lord send? Does God send the grain? He sends the rain in its season. We're praying for provision and we don't like it because He sends rain and not grain. He will send you the right atmosphere for that, for you to work the soil for it to produce the grain that you need. This is better than what you're responding. It's okay. I'm just going to let it sink in for a minute. Just going to let it sink in. God will send you the rain. We live in a world that says, if God doesn't send us the grain, that's actually what our non-spiritual, non-scriptural, prosperity, non-gospel, what they're saying is that God only sends you grain. So go ahead and build a big grain harvest container because all God wants to do for you is shortcut the rain, is shortcut the season, is shortcut the plowing, is shortcut the tilling, and shortcut all the way down where you can just get the grain. That's ridiculous. 
it's not good for us to have that happen in our lives. And if you keep praying and you think that God hasn't actually answered because he hasn't poured grain in your lap, then you're missing the rain. He's raining on you. And you're mad at him because he's not sending grain to you. If you are sitting, this goes back to our thankfulness from step one here. If you are not thankful, it's because you don't realize that it's raining outside. By God, go get the seed and start, just get at it. It's not the job's problem. It's your problem. Because you just want grain. I just want to open up a tent flap and just, just eat, just nibble. Praise God, I get, get such a good church. And Pastor Eric and Pastor Matt and our elders, they get great revelation. So I just want to eat what they got. It's raining revelation in this church. It's raining God's presence in this church. And we're still not happy. How is that even possible? It's because we don't understand the scripture. We haven't actually shma shma here. We haven't fully obeyed this. Then I will send rain on your land. Lord, would you send us some rain? In season, both autumn and spring rains. What about winter and uh, um, summer? It's out of season. Oh, you mean... If things are out of season, maybe I should have prepared for it in the season before because God told me it was coming? Yes. Yes, you should have. Both autumn and spring, so that you may gather in your grain, your new wine. Where does the new wine come from? What grew in the crop. Huh. You mean it's still based on... He's got to do the rain. I can't do the rain. You can't do the rain but you can do the grain. Mm-hmm. Come on. Make it rain. Make it rain. So that you may gather in your grain, your new wine, and your oil. Where does the oil come from? Where does the oil come from? It comes from the rain. You mean there's a plan to this? Yeah. One more verse. I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle. You can't make grass be there. But after he's done the grass, then you tend the cattle. And then you can get the steak. (laughs) And then you will eat and be satisfied. Come on, guys. Do you understand that when you fully obey, you never have to worry about your provision? How many people, look, I'll just, I'll just share with you what the Lord has shared in my life. I got to a point and I was struggling, not because I'd, I, I, I've always been pretty good at handling my own money. Lord, I want to be a faithful steward. If I'm making $100 a paycheck, I'm going to save a couple of dollars out of it. I'm just, I just am. I just am. I got to a point where I couldn't. I was underwater every month. I couldn't, it didn't matter how hard I worked at it. And I learned, God spoke to me, and he said, you will never have to worry about money again. And you know what I knew that he didn't mean? I was about to win the lottery. (laughs) I knew it. There was no confusion in my mind. It wasn't, you will now have tons of money. I knew that that's not what he meant, and that's why he was able to speak what he spoke to me. From that moment on, I promise you, 
Lord, I hear your word, and I will never worry about my provision again. That was the word of the Lord. I listened to it. It, 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 it struck me in my heart in such a way, I will never worry about it again. You know why? Because I'm going to listen and faithfully obey, and you will take care of the provision. If you need me to do something, I might need to go get out in the field and work. I might need to go do something. I might need to go work even harder. And you know what? The provision is going to be there. You'll send the rain, and I'll go work the grain. You're going to send the rain, and I will do this, Lord, because I'm not going to worry about it. You want me to go to, you, you want this church to go and, and start conquering Persia? You know what he's going to do? We're going to faithfully obey. You know what he's going to do? He's going to, he's going to rain down provision on us. You know what he's probably not going to do? Give it to us all at once. We would be glad to, Lord, if you want to do it that way. But you know what? You know what you do if you have it all at the beginning? You're not driven to faithfully obey. We're driven to do this because of the circumstances. Just a few more verses. Deuteronomy chapter 15. I hope this is making sense to you tonight. Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse 4. However, there should be no poor among you. (laughs) If we do this the right way, everybody's needs gets met. For in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance, He will richly bless you. Next verse. If you fully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all these commands I'm giving you today. One more verse. For the Lord your God will bless you as He has promised. Everybody say, as He promised. promised. And you will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. I think it's Proverbs 22, maybe verse 7. I can't remember right off the top of my head. It says that the borrower is is a slave to the lender. Is that true or not? Yes. You know, the debt that you got floating around in your, own, in your own life? You're a slave to the people that you owe it to. You're a slave. We want, we want you to be set free in every way. You will rule over many nations, but none will rule over you. So here we have another faithfully obey. Why? Because the Lord wants you to lead. He's got a process that you will be able to rule. But look at this. If you haven't figured out that somewhere between the cross and the nations, He's going to take care of you. That you're His treasured possession. He's going to teach that to you when you shma, shma. He's got a protected, He's got something that means so much to His heart, He's spoken to it through the generations. That He will fight for you. That He will provide for you. Do you think you're worthy to lead anything if you haven't done the, if you don't understand this? You can't. You cannot do it. You think it gets easier when you start wanting to lead a ministry? It's, it's like talking to a 17-year-old. And you talk to him and uh, we actually had a conversation with Alex uh, yesterday at lunch. Had a great time with him. We were talking, he was like, yeah, I was home from college, first job. My dad asked me to do something. He was like, dad, I'm so busy. And now Alex's comment was like, was I thinking? I was like 18. I didn't have any responsibility. At the moment, I felt overwhelmed. And now looking back, it was like, oh my gosh. 
The things that, the things that seem like an insurmountable mountain to us when we're 20, by the time you get 40, you're like, yeah, I took care of that before I got out of bed this morning. I sent three texts and that one was done. That didn't even, that didn't even cause any problem. It used to rock my world. And now it's like, eh, that was done between 7 and 7.15 this morning. We're good. Let's keep going. Right? How about we let the Lord use us to be able to lead into the next realm of our lives? Amen? Last one here. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy 28. Let's start in verse 1. It says this, If you fully obey and carefully follow all His commands I give you today, the Lord your God, (laughs) what will He do? He gets you high. He will set you on high. The Lord Himself. When we learn how to do this, and remember with me, this is translated into these ways. Listen carefully. Obey fully. Certainly hear. Listen carefully. Faithfully obey. Faithfully obey. Fully obey. We're getting the concept, right? We understand that Shema Shema is more than just the way that we think about it where sound waves have traveled and been collected into our ears and our brain has processed it. It requires action from us. But you understand that this is really saying, listen, listen, so that I can protect you. Listen, listen, so that you will know that you are my treasured possession. Listen, listen, I'm going to listen, listen to you. Listen, listen, I will fight for you. Listen, listen, I will provide for you. Listen, listen, I've got, I've got, a, a, I've got something that I need you to lead. Listen, listen. So I can set you on high. He wants to set us on high. This is not, (laughs) this is dear to his heart. If the Lord of all creation chooses and lifts you up and sets you apart, how can we come in anywhere and not understand that we are one with the God of all creation? It's almost like, reminds me of a certain scripture. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's start in verse 4. Are you with me? But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms. Is that not setting you on high? That is setting you where Jesus Christ Himself is seated. We are not of this world anymore. We have been transformed. We are new creatures, aren't we, Larissa? The old has gone and the new has come. This is how we walk 
with the Lord. We listen. We shema, shema to Him. And so that everything that He says, we hold on to it and we do it. We show that we've actually listened to Him. And we do it. We are seated with Him in the heavenly realms. You know, we, we have our communion element set up tonight. We've had some incredible services. The last few services have just been incredible. Uh, pew emptying kind of services. Coming forward to get our hearts right. I know some of us in the room have had some pretty incredible days in between. Amen. Where the Lord is emptying out your heart and causing you to respond to Him in incredible ways. I don't have to ask if anyone in the room has failed to listen carefully, to obey fully, to faithfully obey. Because you know what? I know that we all have failed in this in areas. The question isn't, do you need to listen better? Well, of course we do. Because when we do this, then all of these things take place in our life because the God of all creation promises it to be that way. If you're struggling with provision, my answer to you is to shma shma. If you're struggling with needing the Lord to fight for you, my answer is the Lord's answer for us, right? Do you not understand your treasured possession? Do Do you walk around and not really know who you are? I know this is the case. We've talked about it. I have an answer for you. So we're going to take communion here in just a minute. Peyton, you can come on up. How are you going to listen, listen to what the Lord is saying to you? In what way do you need to show God that you are now going to listen, listen? Guys, we have a purpose as a church. You have a purpose as an individual. You have a purpose as a family. We can have no one in this room, we can have no one in this church that rides on someone else's coattails. Can't have it. Not where we're going. Can't have it. your heart has been moved like mine, we're going to stand here and we're going to worship. And as we gather the communion elements, we're going to celebrate this together. It's going to be a cry from our heart that says, Lord, if I've been disinterested, if I've been disappointed, if I've been distracted in what you've actually been telling me, tonight is the night that all that changes. Tonight is the night that we are fully committed to hearing what he actually said. Um, Lord, um, I actually wasn't listening before. I know you've spoken to me. I repent. Would you speak to me again so I can know exactly what you're telling me to do? And this time, I'm going to listen, listen. Would you stand to your feet with me? Mighty God, we come before you right now. 
Lord, this is an important evening for us. Lord, you have been so faithful to us. You have been so good to us, Lord. You've been speaking to us. You've been moving upon our hearts. You've been preparing us. God, you've been doing so many incredible things here in our midst. Lord, tonight we all stand in repentance before you. Lord, the things that you say to us that we do not immediately run to do. Lord, not only would you forgive us, but would you forgive me? Would you take just a moment, church? Would you repent before the Lord? For some of us, I know it's been in the area of provision that you need to repent. I know it. For some of us, it's the idea of our identity and the treasured possession. I know that some of them here need to repent. For some, it's that we don't actually think that he will heal us and take care of us. We've just let fear overwhelm us. That we've forgotten that he will fight for us when we do this. We've lost heart. We've become discouraged and afraid. Lord, would you set us on high tonight? Would you raise us to the heights tonight, Lord? Lord, I pray, God, that you will... We know that your scripture says that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, Lord. And we want to be a group of people who act like it. Who show by our actions that we have heard and we will obey you. Lord, we show you our love by our ability to hear and obey you. Right now you're getting your heart right before the Lord. Quieting the fear and all the voices that you tend to fight with so that you can actually hear what God is saying to you. We have to have the repentance so that we can clearly hear his voice.